Okay, so here we are. I, I have a question to ask you to begin with, if you're ready. You know that what you're going to do is ask John, do you have batteries? Is there, you know, is the, the recorder working? Does it work? Are you ready? Uh, it's going to be some of that. You know, it's, um, you know, I was going to say that if, if a child took the list of excuses you've had for not recording um, to their teacher in high school for reasons they'd not done their homework, uh, they would be thrown out of school. Not not in California. They'd be given um, a merit award for honesty and, and effort. <laughs> oh, I see. There we are. Then I, I mean, yeah. Shall we? Shall I mean? I think you know the what. What was it? I think you you corrupted the audio. You went to a robotics convention in Houston with your son. Mm-hmm. You 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 lost your recorder. <laughs> so I have a I have a difficult life. I mean, I don't. Or of course, I don't really. But no, we move. Uh, I and mean, these our, one a, our one and a half listeners just do not feel your uh, love. No, I have I have more than twice the amount of love as we have listeners. There, I, there's not enough listeners to absorb all the love I have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've been in Switzerland the last couple of days at a conference. You know, and um, at least half the listeners said to me, "Where the hell are you?" Oh, really? Oh, that's good to know. Well, here we are. I said, look, I, I said, look, I am, I am behaving in the most professional manner that I know how, but my, my co-host is just behaving like a child. Mm, well, <laughs> anyway, how have you been, sir, in the three months since it's we last It's not spoke? been three months. I've moved house and uh, been back and forth to, to, to Houston. Um, and do you know what today is, Scotty? May the 1st. That's right. It's Revolutionary Workers' Day. Happy Workers' it Day, is. comrade. I had to explain. So the, it, I, it I have a Russian colleague. Up the revolution. Yeah. I have a Russian colleague, and he's, you know, he was born while the Soviet Union existed, but he was not really conscious when it was. So I, I sent him a, a, a clip from this Wendy's commercial from, from America that was pretty much in, in the 80s. In the, in the, in the, they were, the, the Cold War tensions has been exasperated with President Reagan, um, who everybody thought at the time was the worst you know, imaginable president. I think everybody would be happy to have him now. Um, Anyway, so uh, we'll include that in the show notes because it, it's a funny kind of uh, take on on the, the the belief that there was no choice of anything, and that probably wasn't very limited consumer choice in in East Bloc countries. But it's amusing. It was a catchphrase, wasn't it? Reagan in the time of um, really quite heightened Cold War pressure between uh, the West and the East. There was, yeah. You know, during um you know during one of his sort of microphone tests yes for some things said you know we're going to start bombing in 20 minutes or something yeah and upset a lot of people it did and in fact i think that was turned into a rap (laughs) yeah that's 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 why i remember it we begin bombing (laughs) in five minutes well okay so now that we're on this little 80 tips not that it's important to anybody but uh there was the rock and roll hall of fame induction and the cure went in that's how old we are love the cure yeah Love the cure. Anyway, um, I the trouble is because we because it's been a few weeks since we recorded an episode, and and we did record an episode that we lost. I'm not sure what we last spoke about. So maybe maybe this is a good opportunity to just have a little bit of an update on on where we are and um, and and some reflection, and just wonder how we're not going to end up in this position again. Well, I will fall on my sword. It's all my fault, really. Oh yeah. Well, I was never going to let anything else. 
come out as true anyway. So. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he, he, well, that's because you've got Sam doing your dirty work for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, I think I think where we well on my side where where I last left off I was kept talking about all the different things to to ring out performance and then which was very good we, we you know uh, one of the the projects for where this this work I've been working on it started it started allocating the A B test uh, and it's going to allocate a little bit more coming week uh, this coming week and so we'll be able to 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 get some measurements, but a lot of the work that was done also is going to be used in another project and it all has to do with bringing every last bit of performance. And um, when you do that, you know, you end up being lazy, right? So you always say, well, defer, defer loading of everything to the last possible moment. But there, you always then arrive at these corner cases where, you know, you defer loading and then the layout changes radically. And there are some, some things that you can set the layout for with, with, magic numbers that, that, you know, default values that you use for, for setting constraints. But at some point, you know, you have to have all the view hierarchy loaded to be able to make it for it to adjust, especially in the case of, of rotating and going to full screen. And um, when you use something that gets in a table view or collection view, you have recycled cells. So you'll have multiple copies of an object and only one may be visible. You know, oftentimes only one is visible at a time. So you may have other ones. So I, I was fixing problems this past week um, where one of my, my players was not fully initialized because it had been embedded, but then you rotate it right away. This is something you have to test. And then all of a sudden you have these other players which were essentially coming full screen um, before their whole view hierarchy had been loaded. And so you kind of experiment with two different options. One is that you kind of force the loading of things, uh, saying, hey, we can't wait any longer. Um, or you try and, and create a different set of magic numbers um, uh, to be able to, to set the, the kind of layout for the skeleton. Because remember, we talked about how if you have a complex view hierarchy, you may have sub-nibs and you'll have containers. And the containers can be set you know, programmatically and, and have a constraint set on them. Uh, but then, you know, then other times you may take measurements based on on, on a contained view. Um, anyway, it, it becomes very complicated, and and if if the last you know ten percent of work takes ninety percent of the time, the last one percent <laughs> takes ninety nine percent of the time. It's unbelievable. But yeah, so far I, I think I'm I'm quite happy, and I think one of these days I'll have to turn this into a talk. But um, I have to prepare my other talk, which is coming up sooner rather than later. I'm I'm leaving on the seventeenth, and on the twentieth. Well, either the 20th or the 21st, I have to check the notes, but uh, I'll give you my talk in St. Petersburg. So I'll have to include that link in the show notes for all the listeners that are in St. Petersburg. So the, your statement about, um, you know, happy workers day and everything at the beginning of the show was part of your Russian visa application, was it? Exactly. I was required <laughs> to do it. Yeah. No, I already have. I'm just trying to keep it not, uh, not from being revoked on, on arrival. So hopefully, um, hopefully they will, uh, uh, record them and we'll get to see it. Ah, they will. They will indeed. I actually found a tweet. It made me very happy. It was completely in Russian, um, and it, it linked to my talk. and And the, the Google translation said something very positive, very easy listen, or something like that. Which I'm, I'm going to take that to to mean that they liked it. Yeah, Google translation can trust that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, I look forward to that, and hopefully, it will all be uh, all be good, all be good.
And in so your world. Where am I at? Yeah, I, I think I was still probably talking about something to do with sync last time. Because mm. <laughs> that's all I seem to talk about. I can't remember where I was with it, so we're not going to go over it. Um, you know, the, the basics of sync are still... Uh, I basically got the basics of sync working in our Mac application. Um, and then uh, in an, uh, a sort of under NS document tour, a, a form of NS uh persisted document of, of our own devising to sync documents um i then moved on to we thought well, okay let's let's make sure we get the same stuff into the ios app which is a a new app on the whole uh and i had the very pleasant thing of realizing that a lot of work i'd done in the mac app actually could be moved into our common libraries because it was perfectly fine for both apps so that that's always nice when you can you know, not have to rewrite code and move it in because it all works. And some of it needs to be made a little bit more generic and whatever. So that was, um, yeah, that was okay. But we started coming up with a whole bunch of issues with documents and how just the, with syncing, just the ability of people to email a document to each other um, that might, they also might have synced in there. Uh, sync accounts and everything became, you know, really the scenarios for how people could screw this up just began to get longer and longer and longer. Mm. Now, if you've got an edge case where something can get screwed up, um, yeah, you know, that's fine. But you know, this was good a point that we had, you know, you know, whiteboards full of ways that you could make this thing break, and not just because of our thing, just syncing in general of trying to take something and sync it. And then add to the fact that some people. Yeah, some people think the syncing still works in the app because they happen to keep the document in iCloud, which syncs, and that you know they're just living on the edge of you know it. They're just lucky it's not breaking because it's not supposed to work that way. Um, it, it, with the way it's you know the, with the old code and everything, and in the end we came to a little bit of a conclusion that you know. Um, what is best here? Uh, we have we have a number of existing users, um, but in the future lifetime of the app, because this app is a, a, a an app that has diminished in popularity, shall we say, over the last three or four years, and its user base is nothing like it used to be. It's still quite a few, but it's still you know it, it's nothing compared to what it has been, um, and hopefully nothing compared to what it's going to need to be to be the app we need it to be. Um, you know, we started that whole discussion of how much do we need to be sympathetic to our current user base compared to making the right technical decisions going forward. Um, now, if you're sat there with a very basic, you know, let, let's say you're in a, a, an Adobe Photoshop or whatever else with millions of users, you can't just go and change the way it's worked for a long, long time because, you know, that, that user base is, is massive. I mean, the percentage growth, although you would hope more people are using Adobe Photoshop every year, or they, Adobe do anyway, um, you know, the, because of the sheer numbers, the, the percentage of growth they're going to get every year um, is a small percentage of the overall number of users using the app. Whereas when the app is in our position, we're hoping the growth every year uh, is possibly going to be even bigger than the number of users using an app or a good size percentage. So when you're in those different situations, how much... Um, now, we shouldn't do anything to purposely hurt 
the the users. So, you know, can we if if we could replace all the things that you might want to do if you had a document, but do it a different way? You know, that might upset people because it works differently. But as long as they can still do things, to be able a lot of these, how much do you affect users in changing things? And we've sort of come to the conclusion that I think we're going to change away from being document based simply because we cannot. There's too it'll be too it's too easy for people to break things. Mm. And this is financial data we're talking about. So uh, um, we just need a little bit more way of shielding that data. So people used to send documents to each other. They'll still be able to get data, send it to each other, export it, and then re-import it at the other end. But the point is, when you're doing that, it's now going through a series of mechanisms. You know where it's come from. You can do stuff. You can Mm. protect the data. So really, we've taken a step backwards of where we're at because we're now having to re-implement that. but I think, you know, it's, it's, if we're going to do this type of stuff now for us, it's the time to do it. Before we put our first major release out that's becoming owners, I mean, we keep putting bug fix release out. Um, if we're going to change stuff that might give us some shit, you know, do it once and do it now. Or with this first release is probably the time to do it. Get all those complaints out of the way in one go. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it, it's it's never easy. Yeah, so I've uh, been doing that. Um, what else have been up to? Decided to put a linter into our code, um, just to because there's three of us working on it, and uh, sometimes things just you know get a little bit annoying. Put a linter into our code, so the project is we just put it on. I've just been put on some stuff today in the project and put it on. It's not very old, and the amount of warnings it came up with straight away, <laughs> um, which yeah, all minor ones. There, so immediately then, rather than fix those 900 warnings. Um, I put a formatter into our build process as well, so at least it, it, our code gets um, automatically formatted before it gets linted, so the warnings, you know, things like white space and everything get adjusted automatically. Hmm. Um, I don't know, what, what do you, do you what, I mean, you're mainly working in Objective-C, um, which was different, but do you, you know, do you have an opinion on linters and things like that in projects? I, I don't. I mean, I think that it, it, I think it's great if you can start with that. It becomes very problematic if you have large shared code bases. And, and unfortunately, I think code culture has to get baked in from, from the time the first you know, file project is created, don't you think? You know, because it becomes too, especially in the case where you're, you are inviting people to be able to say, we're not going to prescribe exactly how it's going to be done. Use your best judgment. And then, you know, then you ha- would have arguments. I mean, we, we had talked about doing that because there was the great kind of cuddled versus uncuddled braces argument. And not really an argument. I didn't even know it was a thing. I, I only thought that my way of doing it was the only way one could possibly want to do it. But I was wrong. So, um, but there's another project that got started up and I look at their code base and I look at how they structure things and I have to say I'm kind of jealous, but they are able to do it because there really was a, a from scratch start. Yeah, we obviously have quite a large code base, but our existing code base is in Objective-C and any new code we write is in Swift. So obviously we're only using a Swift-based linter. Um, so we're only we're only linting and formatting new code. So we have that we yeah that 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 works okay for us really. Mm. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't want to introduce a a linter to uh, you know a ten year old project. No, <laughs> that no. had never been linted. It would probably um, give not up. Unless, not unless you're going to employ four hundred interns to yeah. go and deal with it. Um, however, it, you know the interesting thing is here, I'm 
Yeah, and, and I'm assuming if we do, it will be optional. I'm wondering if we might get a a linter of some form in Xcode ten, uh, eleven. Sorry, um, it dubbed up because um, if I if I remember rightly, there was a Swift proposal on the Swift Open Source project that um, there should be some form of style guide built into the language. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm sure it won't be compulsory, so. The, um, you know, I'm wondering if that might mean if they if Swift has an official style that um, Xcode will maybe not Xcode 11 or but maybe Xcode 12 will begin to enforce, maybe even optionally maybe optionally enforce, but at least uh, enforce that style through warnings maybe or maybe even errors or whatever else. So maybe the uh, right having to have a linter of some form running your code will become more of the, the default than an optional toolchain thing going forward. I don't know. I think that would be good. I was thinking about while you were talking about, I was thinking again about style because, you know, we, with, with, with PRs, we, you know, we ask our colleagues to comment on things and I have, it's funny. I, I've kind of, I've hesitated in the past to be able to say, you know what, this is for my, for my eye, uh, it's not immediately obvious what's going on here, or this doesn't seem like good Objective C style, and and especially that whole point about Objective C styles. Like when I first got to the company, and that was more than three years ago now, I didn't want to kind of be the grumpy old man. Uh, excuse me, but over time, I started to be a little bit more. But there was something that that I noticed is that you know when you have uh, very modularized components, that's good. You can reuse them, but they also often have uh, a lot of. Uh, in order to get the answer to something, they may have to to ask. You know the view model. The view model might have to ask its entity. The entity might have to ask something else, or you might, you know, you might have something that have has delegates, and you might have a delegate change where where you can say here's a here's a portion of something that's in a table view cell or a collection view cell, and it needs to know, hey, are, are we about to go full screen, for example? In which case, well, you might ask the delegate, but the delegate may also have a delegate, and uh, so you you may have cases where. Uh, Instead of having every method have to to have a key path um, that that's you know three or four segments long, oftentimes I will just put in a little a stub method which will that I can ask my local object, hey, are you full screen? And it shields from it, you know, having to to have the messy messy task of of, of figuring out who to ask. And in, in that case, it may go up a, you know several delegates. Um, but I, I find it a little bit easier to read because especially when you're, you're doing things with, with blocks, and I know that it's different with Swift, but with Objective-C blocks, just the formatting of it, like you may do an animation block or you may do a, a, you know, something that's fetching data and you'll have a return block. And just the way it ends up being formatted, if you end up having three or four key paths to be able to resolve the answer for it, and then you have a, a method that takes arguments, having arguments and passing you know, three or four key paths, I, I find that a little difficult to read. So I, I made a comment to somebody saying, you know, it'd be easier if you were just, just get to the view model that you need to, for example, or, or get to whatever object you need to. And if you have one key path to, to be able to get a property of it, well, then that's easy to, to do. But I find that easier to read. Um, I don't know whether that makes sense. I, I can't really kind of paste the code or, you know, put the code in the show notes. But it, it comes down to a question of, of, I always live by the maxim, you spend a lot more time reading code than writing code. 
code. Um, and uh, so that's why it's good to have PRs, uh, just to have other people look at it because you may, ha- you know, in order to, to understand how something works, have to, to bootstrap something in your mind. And you shouldn't have to do that. If you look at any block of code, it should be pretty obvious with, but by the by the naming of it, what kind of object it is, or and and also kind of you know, if you had to traverse a long key path to get something, do that once, assign it to a local variable, and then when you use it a couple of lines down, you don't have to have that cognitive overhead of trying to figure out you know what's going on. I think having these little techniques of doing things and and making it re- easy to read is is great. Um, I think some of the problems happen when you're working on a team of, you know, there's a, there's a team working on a project mm-hmm. and how do you ensure, or maybe it's not important in your, that everybody does it the same way. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, you know, you, you like to put things in objects to make, to ask, you know, so they can, you can just ask them if they're full screen and they worry about how they do that and, you know, whether they run up a delicate chain or whatever is none of your concern you can just say are you full screen or whatever it might be i think that's mm-hmm. um so that's great but what if the person doing the next screen doesn't do that mm, right so how do you do that do you do that then through informal that this is how i do it do you hope that code review picks it up do you now start having to do standards and style guide techniques and then hope that people read them when they're new to it and i think it's that's where it gets tricky when you have uh, you you start having maybe three different techniques of doing this mm, yeah, on the totally, team now, yeah. as opposed to so as opposed to doing it the old way or the other long winded way, which you you're trying to shortcut out because for all the reasons you've just said, you've now got three different shortcut ways, uh, and that's not necessarily causing any performance issue in the app of any form, and they all may be valid ways, but that might now be uh, you know a cognitive load issue of well why is this not doing it the way I do it or whatever else? And I think how you enforce that and what's important to enforce and what isn't um, becomes, it's much more of a a team problem than a technical problem at that point. Well, I mean, while thinking about this, while driving uh, our child to to school, uh, he was talking about how he was tutoring a friend of his in Italian with with my wife, Yola, and, and they were trying to explain the subjunctive and I'd never heard of the subjunctive, uh, you know, until I took French a million years ago. And that that in English you have modifiers. So you have in the South you have like might, could, might, should, or will, or will have, or shall that help modify to be able to get something to be able to to, to conjugate tenses um, and 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 oddball tenses like something that might could ha- might happen in the future, or or to be able to say you know something about something that will happen in the future, but you're talking about it from the perspective of looking in in the back backwards temporarily so you might say kind of uh tomorrow's my birthday i will have been an idiot for lo these many years right and and so i was saying that in english and viola who was recalling when she first learned english she's thought to herself these people are idiots why can't they invent new words or just conjugate verbs properly so italian and and french I, i don't know which other languages have have subjunctive uh verbs but my point of it is is that i don't view the fact that there are multiple ways to do it as as a, a problem in the same way as i don't think it's a problem that there are different ways of expressing concept concepts in different languages and in some ways i kind of i enjoy being able to see them 
I think, but but that's that's my opinion. That's my mindset. I happen to like languages, so I'm perfectly fine. So I've always taken the tact that I think it, it's up to the author to set the tone for their class. You, you could argue that well, it's up to the authors to set the tone for the project. But I I can only affect my classes in in a way. So like I can take care of my yard. I can take care of 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 my world. If I create a class, I I, I set the documentation standards, and I find that people do it. it. It's the kind of broken window theory. If you never have any comments at all in your code, and somebody modifies it, they're not going to all of a sudden put in comments, and they're going to they're going to follow the path of least resistance. They're going to copy and paste things uh, within your code. So better to have good examples or at least to be able to explain your thinking. So if, if, if I gave one bit of advice to the youth of today is to, to take pride in ownership and set it up the way that you want to see people modify it. And by the same token, if somebody has a strong opinion and you're working in, in, in their class, you know, conform to, to her standards, right? That's the way I look at it. Yeah, that sounds fair and reasonable to me. I mean, yeah, putting putting the linter into this project is not um it's not yeah, you know, I don't care if there are two spaces between the end of the function name and the curly brace or, or whatever else. I really you know the fact that you can set a style up and have the formatter sort all that out for you is fine. It does mean you can have co consistency and I do think you know, co consistency eventually even if it's something you wouldn't have chosen when you go on a project if the code is laid out in a consistent manner over time it does become easier to read because you just begin to expect things to be in certain places so i think consistent code is faster to read mm. even if it's not the right. consistency you would have chosen so if you can get all that sorted through a, a formatter and, a, and, and the linter telling you just when you got it slightly wrong cool that, that that's great but i think you know where it was like more interesting maybe is uh, some of the more subjective rules again that you know in one place just in one place in this framework i was running the linter on this afternoon it said you know this this um this method's more than 40 lines long that's not good mm-hmm. and it was like okay yeah actually it's got a point you know it's it's it is 40 lines long that's a little hard to read um whereas normally that will just go through so just even the fact that brought up a warning i don't like warnings um i could have said you know i could have um, turned off the warning for that method because it's like it says no it has to be 40 lines long there's nothing it, I can do about it right now or, or whatever so I just think having things like that come up is quite useful um, it, you know, it pointed out you know this method has eight parameters a method with eight parameters really that's, you know, that's not a method why, why does, <laughs> yeah why does it have eight parameters should you be looking to you know use some structs here or right. something else to pass this stuff through and i think that's where the power of this stuff really comes in is yeah i don't really care about the spacing mm. um a little bit about you know method naming and variable naming could be useful but i think just pointing out stuff like that to help you see where you've maybe missed that you've maybe not done something the best way um is quite useful and uh, i guess if um you know, Xcode can begin to do some of that for people automatically. That's great. I mean, you know, that that would be a really useful tool. Um, and I think Xcode is getting better at adding useful tools. I, I mean, one of the best tools I think that's come along in Xcode recently was the main thread sanitizer. That was just, that just changed everything. Mm. <laughs> um, anyway, it's in there. So, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see um, what we what we get. It, it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it, that, you know, with Swift obviously being... 
the prime focus of the language. I don't think we're going to see Objective-C 3 or whatever in the next year or two. I think mm. Objective-C is just going to get bug fixes in the odd the odd thing for compatibility, um, which I know makes a lot of Objective-C um, uh, programmers a little sad, but I guess that's the, the world we're now living in. Um, do you know what? I started down that sentence there, knowing I was going to just come and say something really, um, yeah, very profound. And... <laughs> halfway through the sentence and i'm thinking i have no idea what i was going to say then <laughs> not not a not a clue no no subjective case can help you here <laughs> no, just, i, 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 I might realized, i, I might could have said something I had smart no direction <laughs> yeah i know i know what i was going to say would have been really clever if i could have just re- re- remembered what it was <laughs> Can I tell you a secret, you go, Scotty? You are. You tell me a secret. That is true. That is true. And the only thing that comforts me is I know you're slightly older. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I'm, I'm less doddering. That is true. <laughs> that, that, that is true, says, <laughs> says the man who corrupted his audio, lost his, lost his recorder. I swear to God, you know, we're, we're going to be recording once and there's there's going to be a synchronized knock on the door and, and basically the podcast police are just going to come shoot us both at the same time. You'll just hear this 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 kind of gangstery accent in the background. Three, two, one. In the interest of, in the interest of kindness to your audience, we exactly. are having you elim- <laughs> eliminated <laughs> we were for health down. reasons. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, I said. Um, Okay, so I just, I mean, I, we're running out of time a little bit, but um, so Dub Dub's coming up. Mm-hmm. It's probably, it's just about a month away now. Um, so, you know, I mean, we, we've already had a couple of conversations of saying about certain things we're thinking of doing. Um, you know, let's wait till after Dub Dub um, to make some of those decisions just in case things radically change. I mean, not in every area because we're not expecting huge things everywhere. Um, does, does, Dub Dub coming up shape how you approach things at all, or is the thing just so, um, you know, such a big beast that, you know, Dub Dub affects it at some point, obviously, because if you have to work it on new OSs, but new, no, new OSs, but until that time, you're just business as usual. You know, it used to affect me a lot more because, if nothing else, Apple was spending so much more time building out their infrastructure and, and, I just, I, you know, who knows? You know, maybe we'll be surprised. But I, I find, I find myself much less surprised in the last few years. Um, I think, if nothing else, it would be nice if they were to catch up. Like, for instance, I was reminded that there was supposed to be a, an auto layout instrument that was demoed at a at a session, and uh, I would love to see it because <laughs> debugging auto layout sometimes can be pretty tricky, um, and so it would be nice to have a graphical tool for doing it. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't think of anything based on what I can imagine. You know, that's really going to have a huge effect on us. I think other than maybe the Apple, you you would have to imagine surely has lots of issues of of Objective C and Swift interop, 
and they've tried a bunch of things, and now that they're, they're, there's you know, ABI stability, there, there must be some best practices and, and techniques probably will be announced. That would be nice. I'm sure that there are lots of people who, let's say, that are, are a similar situation. A lot of people who would say, well, you have an engineering team that would you know, maybe prefer to be creating new stuff in, in Swift. But they come down and face the same decisions that that you did or we did or other projects do, saying, "Yeah, we'd like to, but it's too it's not worth the hassle. There's no particular benefit for it." Um, but now maybe there'll be techniques saying, "No, nope, you know, here's a way of of making it a lot easier to to have mixed code bases, uh, mixed languages, uh, you know, without suffering compiled you know compile time annoyances or or, or speed annoyances, either either in in, in in compile time or, or or actual you know actual binary performance, but we'll see. Yeah, I guess this, I suspect that they're putting more energy into trying to get more stuff to work in a way that you don't need um, dual code bases because basically everything is now possible in Swift and done in Swift and whatever that it's yeah rather than trying to make the two interop. But um, which I think yeah is not good for some large code bases might be slightly better for new code bases going forward i don't know yeah we'll see i mean for us the main thing obviously right now is um marzipan being having a mac app yeah we really do not think that marzipan is going to be up to the job this year of doing a full-fledged mac app um i think it will probably work for you know a, a quite a few ipad apps to you know simple ipad apps to come across now i think it'll be you know, and, and some people can start using it without all the hackery. Um, but, you know, we do, you do keep hearing rumors that it's actually further forward than people first thought. Um, and so as we're investing quite heavily and doing a lot of Mac changes at the moment, you know, part of me says, well, maybe just wait off a, a few weeks and see what comes out there. But then even then you're not going to know how stable, even when they show stuff and whatever, you're not going to know how stable it really is. And is it going to, you're not going to really know till October if, those bits of it make it out of beta or in into the final product. Um, so, you know, part of you just says, well, even even if it does look good, this year will be too early and we can't wait another year, so we just got to get on with what we're doing. But it is a little niggle at the back of the mind, really. Mm. So am I just about to do a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, because we're working heavily on the iOS app as well that we could uh, look at. But I think, I think, you know, our days of two apps are still very thoroughly with us. Mm. Well, John, we've um, yeah, we've run out of time. Yeah, this is what happens when we don't te- speak to each other for a while. We actually have some stuff to say that is more relevant a little bit. Although we did talk about the Russian Revolution and all sorts of things, but at the beginning, so maybe we just focused on our claptrap at one point instead of right across the show. But if if people want to get hold of you, John, and totally disagree with the things you've said today, where should they do that? They can talk all sorts of trash about me on Twitter, where I'm Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And, Scotty, if people want to, to make you feel bad for being a doddering old fool, where might they do that? They can get hold of me on Twitter as MacDevNet, micro.blog as Scotty. Uh, that's with a Y, not an IE, by the way. Uh, and, of course, you can get hold of both of us by sending an email to feedback at iDeveloper.co. Well, John, it's been fun talking to you, um, and uh, hopefully we can get another show in next week and um, get get this show back on the road, as they say. Absolutely. <laughs> or get it over the cliff, at least. <laughs> do I, we, we should do a Thelma and Louise show. We go straight, <laughs> off, straight, straight off the edge, and you just never know where we went, ended up. <laughs> Maybe that's what they all are. <laughs> 
with that thought of me and John screaming with big smiles on our faces as we drive off the edge of the cliff, we thank you for listening and say until next time, you take care. Right, hopefully we got that.